Welcome back to another episode of the Ike Bucks podcast. It's a special day today. We have NBA champion Pat Connington joining the show. My name is KJ Ikesit. I'll be your host. I'm very excited to talk to Pat and share it all with you. Pat, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, KJ. I appreciate it. Yeah, so we're going to run down some of the most popular questions and, and just kind of get to know him on a little deeper level, you know, get to get to hear some authentic answers. And, and the first one I want to talk about is the summer. You know, that was the most insane summer. I can only imagine what it felt like for you in terms of highs and lows and just the overall journey making the, the final result that much sweeter. So when you look back a few months ago and about what it, it transpired, how would you describe the Bucks' journey to a championship, and what was your biggest takeaway from it? You know, I would say the most gratifying part about the journey to a championship was honestly seeing the culmination of the previous two years in the work that has paid off to that moment. Um, you know, I think we were on the brink of it. First year I was here, we made it to Eastern Conference Finals. We had a 2-0 lead. And we saw it slip away. Second year, we had the best record in the league. We were on pace to win 70 games. COVID hit, and we lost in the second round. Um, in that third year, I think there were so many people out there that tried to make that year about pressure and expectations. And to see the core group of guys that I had been here with in the coaching staff and the management and the ownership, and to see them still trust in the process. I think so many people look at it as, have you won a championship or have you not? Are you gonna win one or are you not? When in reality, I think the growth of an organization is about being championship contenders on a year in and year out basis. And I think for the last three years, we were championship contenders. Yeah. It doesn't always mean you win a championship. Yeah. But for us, I think the experience that we went through year one, having that 2-0 lead slip, year two, being the best regular season team and falling in the bubble, those experiences helped us fight through adversity in year three. Um, because we were on the other end of the spectrum. We went down 2-0 to Brooklyn, yeah. came back and won in seven in an instant classic series. Uh, we went down 2-0 to the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals, came back and won four straight. So just, I would say, it was extremely gratifying because of the adversity that we had to fight through together, come together and make sure that ourselves and the organization and the fans of Milwaukee were the ones that believed in us. Yeah. Who was the first like call you made after you won? It's funny you asked that. I, got, I had that question asked to me, I would say maybe a few days ago. Um, and I was fortunate. I was like, my best friends were here. My old AU coach was here. My parents were here. Um, you know, I was, I was lucky that arguably this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven most closest people in my life were here, were watching, and were at the game. Yeah. Um, so to be able to share that moment with them after the game, I mean, I barely made it back in the locker room in time for some of the champagne celebration because me, Joe, my parents, my old AU coach, my other best friend, Joe, Joe's wife, Erin, uh, we just kind of sat on the court. You watched the confetti come down. You watched everybody across the court. You watched players come in and out of the locker room, on the court, off the court, and to kind of just kind of sit there and take it all in uh, was a pretty surreal moment. 
Yeah, I mean, one thing that really stands out about what you said is the adversity. And, you know, I, I always considered it, um, especially for Giannis, just just uh, going down o- or going up 0-2 against Toronto. Like, when we crashed out that year, I always kind of had it measured in the back of my mind that this was going to be good for him in the long run. And, you know, then the bubble, that adversity hit, and I didn't really think about that for the whole team. But But you were a big part of that, so... I mean, we saw your performance in the playoffs. It was unbelievable. And the Bucs wouldn't have won that championship without you. So that was just unbelievable. It, it wasn't just Giannis going through that adversity. It was Chris. It was you. It was Drew. And Yeah, you know. and I would say it just it shows the support that the city of Milwaukee has in its team, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to have good games. You're going to have bad games. You're going to have good series. You're going to have bad series. I think where guys get in trouble, and myself included, where I've gotten in trouble in the past is you let those expectations, you let that mental side kind of build up. And for Giannis, I think what he's done a really good job of over the last two years is his growth from a mental standpoint. He knows he's the best player in the league, but how does he not let his last shot, or specifically his last free throw, uh, uh, have an effect on his next one. And same for me. You know what I mean? I have I had bad shots in the series. I threw up an air ball against Atlanta in the Eastern Conference Finals. I remember, yeah. But the remainder of that Eastern Conference Finals into the finals, I shot incredible. Yeah. But it wasn't because of anything aside from the fact that I knew each shot was its one shot. And it was a great learning experience for me. You know what I mean? Like, heck, you feel like a word I won't say on this after you – have a bad shot that could have helped win or lose a game, right? But how do you learn from it? Because it's all part of the journey, right? Yeah. And so our journey, we lost. We blew a 2-0 lead against Toronto in the Eastern Conference Finals. We blew a incredible regular season down in the bubble. Mm-hmm. But we learned from it. Yeah. And it showed that next year. I've, I've had an air ball, but I learned from it. And it showed that remainder of that series and on into the finals. And I think... That was across the board within our organization. That was from ownership to management to Coach Bud to Giannis to Chris to Drew. It was to everybody. And it wasn't about letting the outside voices affect what we knew our job was. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that can relate to all the listeners. You know, whether you're in youth sports and you had a rough tournament or whether you are in school and you failed a test or whether you're in business and a deal went south or something, you know, you can't really change the past, but you can work hard going forward. And just thinking back to that, uh, that air ball, you know, I heard that you just went straight to the gym and, you know, just worked to, to be better going forward. And, and I would say the biggest thing is life. So many people look at the results, right? We look at the results of losing that Eastern Conference Finals and we're up 2-0. We look at the result, or I looked at the result of my air ball. Where I grew was, it wasn't about the result. You know what I mean? It was about the process. What did I do wrong on that shot that caused the air ball? Mm -hmm. Because I can't change the result, to your point. We can't change. When we blew the 2-0 lead, we weren't able to separate what was happening to what needed to happen. And I think for us and for any, like you said, young athlete, it's not about losing the game. It's not about shooting an air ball. It's what didn't you do leading up to it that helped you have success. And so for me, like, I remember it vividly. I was so excited 
to get the ball, I saw myself making the shot. I forgot to look at the damn rim and make sure I <laughs> shot it at the damn rim, right? So, like, it's just making sure you know what is your process, what is going to put you in the best position to have success, but you can't control the result. Yeah. I can't control When I let the ball go at the rim and I do all the things I need to do to make sure I'm on balance, I found the front of the rim, and I let the ball go, my hands – go together, my feet, I end up balanced when I land. The ball is going to go in, it's not, it's not going to go in. Sometimes it rims out, sometimes it gets a lucky bounce. You can't make every single shot, but you can put yourself in a position to have the best chance of making as many shots as you can. Something that I think can translate to anyone listening to this. So uh, I got to go back to that Brooklyn series because it was one of the most insane series of all time. I mean, you know, big three versus big three, just unbelievable performances from the supporting cast and and just the coaching matchup and everything down 0-2 to the Brooklyn Nets to coming back and winning in seven games when you look back at that series is there a specific moment that stands out to you I would say how many specific moments are there that stand out to me I mean heck you got a fan here sitting here with us who was there for game seven yeah I I have one that I could pick what do you got Kevin Durant's big toe yeah (laughs) or that that far from maybe uh maybe a different outcome but. I think of Thanasis' block when he was in for a little bit and he was just flying all over the court and, yeah. you know, 24-second violation. and Yeah, you know, I would say, look, I think when Joe Harris clubbed me in the face accidentally. Oh, yeah. I was bleeding. <laughs> yeah. I think of game three when Drew Holiday had the game-winning layup. Massive. In which case, we didn't win that game. It was an ugly game. I think we won, like, 86-84 or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I look at the first away game. The first time an away team won was game seven. Like, at the end of the day, we come back down, back home down 0-2. We take care of business. We put ourselves in a position in game five. It slips away. We come back, win game six. You go to a game seven. Um, for me, the atmosphere in Brooklyn, that game seven, KD hitting the shot, send it to overtime having to go to overtime when we had put ourselves in the position to win on the road, the stadium, the arenas re-energized. Um, you know, someone told me a stat. I was fortunate. I was the only bench player that scored on I, yeah. either team yeah. in that game. And like, just to find a way to win a game seven on the road in what a lot of people consider the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, a lot of people consider those two teams to be the best teams yeah. in the NBA. Um, the grittiness, the togetherness it took, and then just when the game was over, to hear how quiet that arena was after it was loud for, what, 53 minutes if you include overtime? Yeah, that's, there's no better feeling. I'm obviously Pat can attest, but there's no better feeling than uh, walking out of the opposing arena with uh, with a win and moving yeah. on to the next series. That was, that was a feeling I'll never forget, and I'm just a fan. Yeah, so how did you and the team's confidence change after beating Brooklyn on the road in Game 7? Well, it's funny, right? It's, it's human nature. So and it's something we have to deal with this year, like something we are focused on this year is to make sure we continue to learn from last year and we don't think because we won last year it's just going to transfer over to this year same thing in you beat brooklyn it felt like we played them for a month seven games arguably the 
the hardest team we played. And then you got to get ready for Atlanta, who you can tend to overlook. And we lost game one. You beat Atlanta finally. You go on to Phoenix, and you're like, okay, we're here. We're the best team. We're going to win. You go down 0-2 to Phoenix. I would just say human nature, when you beat a team like Brooklyn, when you Hmm. beat a team in seven games and the emotional, mental, physical draining that comes along with it, human nature is to relax for a second. So how do you prevent yourself from relaxing? How do you make sure that you can bounce back if you did relax? And I think, look, we'd like to be better about starting series off, but it made it more exciting for the fans. And at the, end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, we were able to bounce back from adversity. We were able to understand, hey, human nature may have taken over for a minute, but we, it's our job to get it back. It's our job to come together. It's our job to have each other's backs and to fight through this adversity. Well said. Well said. Uh, very relatable, honestly. When did you believe, I'm curious your answer, because you are a confident guy, um, but you have experienced highs and lows. When did you believe you could win an NBA championship for the first time? Not necessarily a team perspective, but Pat Connaughton's perspective. Oh, great question. I would say for a guy like myself, if we're talking strictly me, not the yeah. Milwaukee Bucks and the team that I was on, for a guy like myself, I, I don't know that there's a time where you believed you were going to win one. It was more about always striving to get to one. So I think for a role player, for a guy who is perceived to be a much better baseball player than he is basketball player, for a guy who never necessarily had a chance of making the NBA since we were kids, um, and heck, even in college and so on and so forth. They definitely disrespect you a little bit about the... for sure. We know. But like... For a guy like that, for me, it was about how can I help my team win in any way possible so that we can get to an NBA Finals. Yeah. And then once you get there, anything can happen. Yeah. And for me personally, it was about can I be a successful enough NBA player to impact winning enough as an NBA player to be a part of a championship contending team. And I think once I got in Milwaukee um, – once I was able to have a major effect on winning in the playoffs, my rookie year, or sorry, not my rookie year, but my first year here in Milwaukee, uh, we played in Boston, mm. which was awesome for me. Um, but we got to Eastern Conference Finals. My minutes went down a little bit. Um, second year in the play, second year in Milwaukee, we played in the playoffs in the bubble. My minutes went down a little bit. Um, and so it was continuing to try to strive to be better so that coach, the organization, my teammates saw me as somebody who they could rely on when it came time to try to win a championship. And that kind of all came full circle here this past year. And so for me, um, I don't know if there was a moment when I believed I could win an NBA championship, but there were moments where I believed our team was good enough to win an NBA championship and that I was good enough to be a part, an integral part of that championship run. Very cool. I remember several times on Ike Bucks, we kind of were just keeping it objective. That's one of the things we really try to do. But we were talking about how the Bucks, no matter how you looked at them, were definitively a top four team. When you're a top four team, you know, anything can happen at the end of the year. And that kind of relates back to what you said in a couple answers. Yep. So um, you actually kind of interluded to this, but you, you proved to be a consistent, that's a key word, clutch, another huge key word, and versatile 
really they're all three huge uh, player for the Bucks in the playoffs. You can score the basketball in multiple ways and defend multiple positions. And honestly, you were, in my opinion, the X factor. How have you been able to develop into such an all-around player? That's always kind of been my goal. Yeah. Look, there are stereotypes in the world. As you know me, um, one of the stereotypes is white man can't jump. And I love to disprove that stereotype. I'd say the other stereotype, though, that relates directly to what you're saying is when someone takes a look at me, they probably think I'm just a shooter. Yeah. And so for me, I've always prided myself on being an all-around basketball player, on being a guy that can help a team win in many different ways. It's going to be nights where I get five to six threes. There's going to be nights where I only get one three. But can I continue to help impact winning the night where I only get one three? Can I continue to help impact winning um, when Chris and Giannis got it going and my job is to defend and rebound and to make the hustle plays? Um, and I just love playing basketball. At the yeah. end of the day, I've just always loved playing basketball. So to be an all-around, well-rounded basketball player um, is something that I knew I had to be in order for a coach, a Coach Bud, a Coach Stotts, a Coach Bray, to look on the bench and be like, I can't take him out of the court. I can't take him off the court. I can't. Like, he's doing too many things at too many different positions. I'll stick him at the power forward. I'll stick him at the stretch four. I'll stick him at a three, a two, whatever it ends up taking. I just, I can't take him off the court. And that's kind of where I want to continue to grow. Yeah. Um, something you specifically said in there about the hustle plays. How do you naturally, you know, going back to what you, you touched on after beating Brooklyn, how do you naturally prevent yourself from you know not taking those plays off and really playing super hard for 48 minutes and whenever you're in the game um uh preparation conditioning uh being in the weight room things that i love to do all of them i would say at the end of the day just perspective okay how many kids would kill to be in that position i would have killed to be in that position when i was a kid like that was my dream right so now that I'm here, you're going to have to resuscitate me on the floor before I get taken out because I'm too tired or I'm not into the game or I'm not uh, anticipating what needs to happen next or I'm not giving 110% effort, whatever it might be. Um, so I think it's just about putting it into perspective of when you check into the game, every time you check into an NBA game, it's a privilege. Yeah, It's not a right. It's not something you should expect. It's a privilege. And so... Uh, just making sure that I know there's a finite amount of time guys can play in the NBA. Um, it's different for everybody, but at the end of the day, I don't see any Tom Brady's in the NBA. There's not a whole lot of 43, 44-year-olds playing in the NBA. So um, not taking anything for granted while you're fortunate to be within your NBA career. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Giannis is in many ways a role model for me and as well as an inspiration. And during game three of the finals, there was a moment when Giannis drove and dished you for the three right before the clock expired. You buried the shot. Um, and afterwards, the two of you high-fived and had a little moment. What was it like? What is it like playing with Giannis? And what makes him such a great leader? Um, his confidence in his teammates, his empowering of his teammates, his desire to win above all else. Um, his support of his teammates, I would say, like, he's just a great guy. And he's a great guy to have on your team. He's a great guy to play alongside. And I would say he's also one of those guys that 
you want to do whatever you can to help him win. Yeah. Um, because he wants to do whatever he can to help you win. And so um, just him believing in my abilities to help us win a championship and him, look, when he sees my guy help off that much, he has belief and trust that if he makes the pass to me, I'm going to make the shot more times than not. Um, and, you know, my belief in him that if I'm not open, I'm not open. If my guy is not helping enough and he can get to the rim, then he should get to the rim. And I think it's just a great kind of balance of um, playing alongside one of, if not the, you know, greatest players in the world. Yeah. Um, so I know we, we just talked about being an all-around player, but I really kind of want to go deep here for maybe those who just study the film. What's one thing that Pat Connington does for the Bucks that the average fan might not notice or pick up on? Uh, I'd say um, statistically, p- probably passing. Okay. Um, you know, I may not get credit for as many assists, but making the next pass, making the hockey assist, making the unselfish play when I get into the paint, um, I'd say that's a big one. And then I would just say the little stuff, the stuff that, you know, GMs and coaches and anybody who has a true basketball mind can pick up on, whether it be being in the right position on defense, being in the right position on offense, simple cut through the lane that takes my man with me and somebody else gets a layup. Like there's no statistical category that's going to apply for a lot of those types of things, um, but they help win. And at the end of the day, if I can impact winning, as I've said, um, then there'll always be a place for me to have a a role on a a championship contending team. Yeah, uh, one of the themes that I just picked up upon is that you know, you are 100% a team guy as the Bucks are very much a team team, you know, team-oriented team stemming from Giannis, Chris Middleton, very unflashy guy. Uh, I mean, he'll, he'll flash Kobe on the court, but Drew Holiday, right. he'll do his thing. Yeah. Um, you know, even you guys. And, uh, you know, you, you've mentioned um, your AAU coach growing up. And can you just speak on that for a little bit and, like, how he impacted you and helped you develop into the player you are today? Yeah, I would say. Too. Yeah, I mean, look, I'd say it probably started back at a place called Fidelity House in Arlington, Mass. Like for me, it started with um, a guy by the name of Tim, Tim Graham, who, when we were in first through fourth grade hoops, you played on those little eight foot rims. Uh, he used to make me use my left hand. Okay. He used to make me uh, pass and get everybody involved uh, until the fourth quarter, and then I could start scoring and like. He used to just give me little challenges, yeah. but the ideas behind them was how can you find ways to help your team win if it's not just scoring the basketball? Um, and I think for me, that's kind of where it started. And then as it continued to grow and went to AAU with Coach Crotty, it was um, impact winning. You know, try to win, um, remain loyal to the people and the places that helped get you here, um, but try to impact winning. And, you know, Coach Bray, um, in college, it was the same thing, and he's even said, um, you know, plenty of times that I became one of the greatest, you know, winners and leaders you know, in Notre Dame sports history. And I think for me, um, it wasn't about ever getting recognized for things like that. So it's not like it, I'll be the first to mind for somebody if they ask who's the most notable Notre Dame athlete you've ever watched, but. It's more about the people 
the Coach Crotties, the Coach Braves, the Coach Buds, the John Horse, the different people within each organization, them knowing and understanding the value that I bring and continuing to bring that value using a word you used earlier, on a consistent basis. There's yeah. 82 games in a regular season. For us, we played, what, 22 postseason games? So you can get up to 104 games over the course of a season. How consistent can you be on a nightly basis? Maybe you're not scoring 25 points a night like some of our guys on our team are, but how consistent can you be on impacting winning throughout those 104 games? Like that. Um, one thing you spoke about, real quick follow-up question. What's one challenge, whether it's Giannis or Coach Bud, uh, someone external is giving you that you're working on right now to meet, and what's one challenge you're giving yourself right now to meet besides the obvious one of repeating this year? Maybe that's everything, so um, feel free to answer I that. would say an external one would just be more consistently see in shooting. I would say building off of the playoffs. I was consistent in the playoffs. I don't know what my percentage was. Um, I try not to pay attention to stats as much, but um, I'm sure it was right around 39, 40%. It was good. And how can I consistently do that over the course of an 82-game regular season? I've shown I can do it in the playoffs. How do you consistently do it over the course of a 82-regular-game season? And then myself, I would say it's about continuing to be a well-rounded basketball player, find ways to come off pick and rolls, get my teammates involved, find ways to – you know, push it in transition and get an easy basket to get a layup, to get a mid-range jump shot, to get to the free throw line. Find ways, you know, the NBA is unique, right? You have to be able to be a threat on the offensive end, regardless of what you can do defensively. You have to be able to be a threat um, because of how offensive the game has become. Yeah. So finding ways to score as opposed to just standing in the corner or standing on the wing and catching and shooting threes, finding ways to be a threat so that, there are a few easy baskets that can get you going prior to catching and shooting a few threes. Great answer. What's one of your superstitions when it comes to basketball? To be honest with you, not having superstitions. Yeah, I, I, I think, figured that might be. I nice. think for me, a big thing is a big area of growth that I started in using in the playoffs is mental, right? So mental toughness, mental focus, um, being more cerebral when it comes to my game. And... I think superstition is a form of mental weakness in a roundabout way where yeah. if I can't have the same pregame meal every single game, is that going to throw me off? Or am I going to be confident that, look, my game is my game. I just need to get my body to a point of feeling some type of way, feeling loose, jump shot feels good, whatever it might be, but I don't have to take the same amount of jump shots before a game. I don't have to make the same amount of free throws. I don't have to eat the same exact thing. I don't have to sleep for the same exact amount of time. Um, making sure that external forces aren't impacting my performance, making sure that it's more of an internal mindset. Great answer again. Um, so I just want to ask you about the offseason real quick. I mean, you gave the speech at Madison. You were at Texas A&M when they beat Alabama. That must have been amazing. Yeah. Uh, you guys were at uh, Soldier Field for Notre Dame, Wisconsin. Fortunately, we got kicked in that one. Or fortunately. Yeah, yeah, for you guys. Um, what was one of your uh, – I mean, you were in Cyprus with Giannis as well. What, could you just take us through the offseason? Like, what was your – What was one, uh, if you had to choose one of those favorite moments, I'm going to give you the tough one, but, like, what was the favorite Favorite moment was definitely experiencing Greece with Giannis. Yeah. I mean, look, Giannis is big over here. Giannis is a different animal in Greece. Um, so it was really cool. I'd never been to Greece before. Yeah. So experiencing that and being there with coaches, assistant coaches who I'm close with, teammates, I think that was awesome. 
really hard to choose one. I yeah. would say the unique thing was this offseason was so short for us, right? Like the season got pushed back last year, so we didn't finish till July 20th or whatever it was. And then you start right in September on a normal time frame. So I think it made it more difficult to do some of the things guys would normally do coming off of a championship or just coming off of an NBA season in general, right? There weren't as many trips you could take. You know, as much time for it. You wanted to make sure you were prepared for the season. You wanted to make sure that, um, you know, you took time to take time off for your body, but you also took time to get your body ready for training camp. So I would say all of those experiences were kind of incredible because the one thing that I found fascinating was you have this belief that when you win a championship, the second that confetti kind of rains down, like that moment's gonna be magical, and it was. But I would say the more magical moments happen when two weeks later you wake up and you remind yourself, I'm still an NBA champion. Like yeah. at the end of the day, the Milwaukee Bucks are just one NBA champions and that's never gonna change. Immortalized, yeah. just like the Greek gods, just like Giannis and Greece, that's yeah. special. So last question before the lighting round, the Bucks core is good, young, and signed. How exciting does it make you knowing that this championship is just the beginning. Super excited. I mean, I think for me, and I've said this publicly before, it's more important for me to be a part of an organization that I believe in, an organization that values me, an organization that I believe in the potential to be championship contenders for a long time, and the culture of it, right? Yeah. I think a lot of guys focus on the dollars that they can make in the NBA. For me, I'm fortunate to be in a position to do things outside of basketball. Um, playing for an organization like the Milwaukee Bucks, playing with teammates like Chris and Giannis and Drew, um, playing under the ownership we have, John Horst, the general manager, Coach Bud, the coach. Um, I'd love to play here for a long time. And I think yeah. being a part of this organization and being a part of the core that's coming back, like I said kind of earlier on, it's about consistency in being championship contenders. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you're going to win a championship every single year, but think about that for the fan base. If you can, granted, everyone stays healthy, if you can pretty much assume that there'll be a chance that your team can win an NBA championship. I mean, look, Joe and I were fortunate. We were in New England, weren't rooting for the Patriots for the last 20 years. Yeah. Tom Brady gave you a chance every single year yeah. to be in the Super Bowl. I think the core that they put together and the culture with the organization that we've put here together here in Milwaukee gives the Milwaukee Bucks a chance to be con championship contenders for the foreseeable future. And from a fan standpoint, that's super exciting. You can only imagine from a player standpoint how exciting that is to be a part of. Yeah, okay. So that was awesome. Thanks so much. Uh, a few quick hitter questions in the lighting round where just the audience can get to know you a little better. What's your go-to meal lately? Lately, it's been Asian fusion. It's been a mixture of like teriyaki chicken, teriyaki steak with some fried rice. Um, it's one of my more favorite meals. Nice. Who's a musical, musical artist you've been listening to a lot this year? St. John. Okay. What's the first app you usually check in the morning? My text messages. Besides that? Uh, I would say... Let me look at my apps. Um... I would say my text messages, my emails, and then my bank account. Okay, okay. <laughs> Apple Music or Spotify? Apple Music. A good book you've read? 
Ooh, a few. I would say Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Okay. Favorite class you've ever taken? It was a class by Chris Stevens, one of the um, executives for Keurig when it first came out hmm. at Notre Dame, and it was like a business innovation class. Okay. Next place you want to visit? Um... Great question. Next place I want to visit, have I visited before? Uh, feel free to answer. My favorite place to visit is Hawaii. Okay. Place I've never visited that I would want to visit is probably Mykonos or Santorini over in Greece. Yeah, okay. Um, favorite sport outside of basketball? like Baseball. Okay. Is there anything beyond that? Football. Okay. Yeah. And um, can you envision yourself staying in Milwaukee long term? For sure. I yeah. think I would love to stay in Milwaukee a long time. Okay, we always like to wrap up our show this way. How's the family and how's Pat Conkin, the person, doing? Uh, great. I'm fortunate to have a great group of... When I say family, I think of... You don't have to be blood-related to be family to mm-hmm. me. Um, I wear a chain that says family over everything. And the idea behind it is it's not just blood relatives, but it's you know friends. It's people that I consider family. I'm fortunate to be surrounded by a great group of those people, a great group of family. Um, and so I think for me, that's where some of the most joy comes from, like winning an NBA championship. Did I love it? Absolutely. But going back home to my high school, bringing the trophy, going back home to my beach house in New Hampshire, um, bringing the trophy with, and bringing it around my friends and family to see their faces and to feel the pride they had and being able to experience something like that, uh, I'd say it brings me more joy than anything else. So uh, I've been great. I've been great. I've enjoyed the championship summer. I'm excited to get back into the Pfizer. I'm excited to play in front of fans for a full 82-game season. Uh, I'm excited to try to defend the 2021 NBA championship and excited for all the things that I do off the court. Amazing. So uh, we really want to thank Pat for joining us. Pat, thanks for joining the show. Any final thoughts? No, I'd just say it's a really exciting time to be a Wisconsin sports fan. You've got the Packers who are great. You've got the Brewers who are great. You've got the Bucks who are great. You've got three MVPs uh, representing the state of Wisconsin. And um, it's a really exciting time to be a Wisconsin sports fan. Amen. We agree 100%. So everybody, make sure to go check out Pat. Make sure to go check out Three Leaf Development. Very easy to find on social media. Uh, If you enjoy the show, um, if you wouldn't mind leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen, that goes a long way in helping. And also uh, make sure to tell a friend. We're very close to reaching 100 countries with this podcast, and that's one of the goals of ours, trying to be in all 50 states and reach 100 countries. So the easiest way to do that is share with another Bucks fan, share with another basketball fan. Once again, my name is KJ Ikesid. It's been a great episode of the Ike Bucks podcast with Pat Connington. So until next time, Bucks fans, we're out.